0: Thank you Pastor Holmes, let's give the Lord a good hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. I think maybe you misunderstood me. That might would have been good for the mayor of the city, but I said let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Clap your hands unto the Lord, all ye people. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, that's a little more like it. I want to say what a great privilege and honor it is to be here one more time, camp meeting in Little Rock. Thank you, Brother Holmes, for the gracious invitation to be a part of it again this year. And I have already thoroughly enjoyed everything that I've heard and felt received in these services. Regret that I was not here from the very beginning, but we'll try to catch up a little later through the recordings. And, um, but we have always been blessed. Every time we've come, we want to add a little part. Looking forward to what we're going to hear yet again uh, tomorrow. Amen. And uh, want to give honor to the good pastor of this church, his beautiful family that we saw up here a few moments ago, and of course, Elder and Sister Burr have uh, meant so much to us over the years. The stand that he's taken, and of course, Sister Holmes. We. I've always appreciated her, her good words, her life, her witness. Amen. We have a lot to be thankful for tonight. Of course, this beautiful church, what a magnificent structure we're standing in today. And I'm glad Pentecost has at least one of these. I'm glad Pentecost has at least one of them. Amen. feel a little bit intimidated, overwhelmed by the sheer size and volume, but we serve a great God, and we want Him to have His way in the remainder of this service, but we salute the First Pentecostal Church of Little Rock for the great work that you're doing here for the kingdom of God, and also for what you are doing for the work of the Lord in many places around the world. May God continue to bless you richly for that. I give honor to all of my preacher friends that are here tonight. Uh, scattered all over this building. What a tremendous, beautiful representation. We saw a little earlier and all the saints of God that are here. A lot of things we could say, but uh, we've already heard about Outback and the other uh, the restaurants. And so we want to try to be mindful. I, I, uh, I don't know what Brother Holmes has against me that he would first of all put me after, after Brother Larry Booker. Uh, This is not an enviable spot to be in, I assure you. And such a tremendous preacher, man of God, and I thoroughly enjoyed what he had to say. Would have uh, loved for him to just have carried it further. Amen. And uh, the other thing is, I wondered how many people got apoplexy when they received the announcement of this meeting and saw that Brother Booker and I were going to be preaching the same night, the two prospective longest, long-winded preachers in Pentecost. I told someone there should have been a warning label on there, eat before you come. And uh, your only hope tonight might be if some young man thought to bring five loaves and two fishes. Outside of that, we might have to send out for dominoes. He he did not uh, live up to his reputation tonight, but the chances are very good that I will live up to mine. But I'm going to try not to. I really am. I'm going to try not to. But uh, thank you again. Brother Holmes, for this great honor. And I have a very, very simple message, truly, that I feel like preaching tonight. And uh, it's about as, as plain Jane as they come, but it's what I really feel in my heart. It's just burning on the inside. And so I can't do anything else but this. And if it's not what you came to hear, well, it'll just have to do. I didn't come to impress you, came to try to obey the Lord tonight. Amen. Would like for you to turn tonight while you remain standing in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to read some familiar verses, beginning with verse number 18. Amen. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Are there any witnesses in this house tonight? <laughs> For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And uh, I'm going to give you two different titles tonight, if you desire, and you can choose one or the other. I want to talk to you for a little while about God's answer to the wise guys, God's answer to the wise guys, or perhaps a little more formal, the unparalleled power of preaching the unparalleled power of preaching. I told you, it's very basic, but I want the Lord to help us tonight. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands and ask the Lord to help us one more time in this service? Praise God. Lord, we thank you for what we've already felt and heard and received. Now, Lord, we want to be obedient to you. We want you to have your way in this service tonight. God, would you undertake I confess freely my inabilities. I can do nothing without you. I am an imperfect vessel. But I pray, God, that you will equip me with your unction and your anointing and let your perfect will be done tonight in this service. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. We are living in a digital world of unprecedented technological advancement and sophistication. And along with this has come a generation of highbrows and intellectuals who first of all in the secular world either go so far as to deny totally the existence of God or in the so-called religious world are so arrogant as to think that they can improve on God's methods. And as a result, there is scarcely an area of this church world in the world today that is untouched by man-made modifications. First of all, as we've already heard this evening, They have taken the Godhead and have redefined it from biblical monotheism to unbiblical trinity. They have taken the plan of salvation from the new birth experience of being born again of water and of the Spirit to just confessing the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Repentance has been replaced with just repeating the sinner's prayer. Holiness principles have been relegated to just personal convictions. The preaching of righteousness has been dubbed just a matter of the heart and not something that should be manifested on the outside. I hope you'll help me preach tonight. Praise the Lord. The blood is being taken out of the songbooks. The name has become something that they sing about but refuse to be baptized in. Worship is superseded by entertainment, and talent has replaced anointing. Program is preferred over a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost. In short, they have altered and changed and tempered and revamped until church is mostly a social institution and the house of God is nothing more than a recreational center. Hallelujah. Where gymnasiums are more frequented than the prayer rooms and where ball fields are more full. Hallelujah. And altars are empty. What kind of church do you want tonight? I said, what kind of church do you want to be a part of? Most damaging in my opinion is how creative they have gotten in ways to supersede the preaching of the Word of God. Now it's puppet shows, it's dramas, it's sing-spirations, it's concerts, it's seminars, it's this presentation or that. Hallelujah. And I hope I don't lose you here at the beginning. I didn't come to grind any ax I'm just here to preach what I feel in my heart. But I want you to know that Pentecost is being seduced by this spirit. And we are being drawn away by it. There was a time when the emerging charismatic movement copied their worship from us. They learn how to clap their hands from us. They learn how to sing and shout from us. They learn how to dance from us. They learn how to run the aisles from us. But now the tables have turned and Pentecost is learning from them every kind of substitution that you can imagine that takes precedent over the old-fashioned preaching of the word of god i feel sorry for the evangelist today who can only preach hallelujah well i can tell it's gonna be tough sledding for a while this evening but that's all right i've been in this spot before I'm going to say it again. I feel sorry for the poor evangelist who can only preach unless he can pull rabbits out of the hat, unless he's got other talents, unless he's got other abilities. He's not going to be much in demand. I'm here to tell you tonight, the only solution, the only hope for the apostolic church in 2004 is the old-fashioned preaching of the Word of God. This generation is so arrogant as to think that they are more innovative than God, and that they have discovered avenues and ways that God had not considered. In their misguided zeal to make religion more attractive. Hallelujah. They have overlooked one simple fact, and that is this that a God that can launch shooting stars, and a God that can cause the aurora borealis to dance on an evening sky, and the God that can put on a display of lightning and uh, the fury of a thunderstorm, and the God that can explode a volcano, and spin up a hurricane. If he wanted to, he could put on a show that is unequaled, that is unsurpassed, that nobody can even come close to. He could put on a spectacular extravaganza that would leave any audience breathless with their mouths open. All of the wizardry of Hollywood could not come close to what God can put on in this building tonight if he so chose. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! But the Bible said, but after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It wasn't because he didn't have any other options. It wasn't because he didn't do anything else to do. It wasn't because he didn't have another choice. But it was the method that he chose. And it pleased him. And I'm here to tell you, it still works in 2004. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Give me plenty of volume, please. Praise the Lord. I don't want anybody to not hear me tonight. And I certainly want to hear myself. Praise the Lord. Amen. But uh, I I thought about uh, the story that Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus. And the Bible said that the rich man in hell, he first of all begged that Lazarus would dip his finger in water and come and touch it to his tongue. And Abraham said it's impossible because there is a great gulf fixed between us and nobody can pass from here to you and from you to here. Amen. By the way, there is no purgatory. You got only one chance. You better get it right now. And so the rich man said, well then, cause Lazarus to go to my brethren and let him warn them that they might not come to this place. Let me tell you what the Bible said. The answer was, they have Moses and the prophets. And if they will not believe them, neither will they believe, though one rise from the dead. I submit to you that God, if he wanted to, could open up this floor today and cause us to peer into the fiery depths of hell. If God chose to, he could give us a vision of heaven itself right this moment, if it pleased God, he could cause angels from heaven to descend upon this platform and to declare the things of God to you. But he did not choose those methods. Instead, he chose a simple, fallible man equipped with a dynamic word of God and said, if they will not Believe them, neither will they believe if they see a miraculous phenomenon. We have heard in recent weeks how that, how uh, so many so called oneness Pentecostal pastors have taken their whole congregations to see. Amen. Mal Gibson's movie on the passion of the Christ. And how moving and how overwhelming and how touching that it is. And how many people wept and how many people were moved and how many people were impressed. Let me tell you something. That is Very short-lived in its effect. Amen. God does not work through the eye. He works through the ear. Amen. The devil works through the eye. But God works through the ear. How shall they hear without a preacher? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just drop his word into a simple man, sometimes maybe even an uneducated man. But let him preach under the anointing and watch the miracle unfold. Watch as drug addicts get under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Watch as hardened criminals are broken down. Watch, amen, as hardened sinners suddenly came in and begin to tremble and shake and weep. Can I get a witness here tonight? There is no substitute for the preaching of the Word of God. Hallelujah. I've got to slow down here a little bit. I want to impress on you tonight the fact that it is a foolish notion to underestimate the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is fundamental to everything that we are doing here tonight. My Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. the Word preexisted all things. Before there was a sun or a moon, there was the Word. Before there were stars and the universe, there was the Word. Before there were angels and created beings, there was the Word. In fact, it may give somebody comfort tonight to know this, that before there was a Lucifer, there was the Word. What I hold in my hands tonight is older than Satan himself. This in the hands of a child will put the devil on the run. Before all the bad boys of the ages, there was the word. Before Cain, and Nimrod, and Esau, and Pharaoh, and Sennacherib, there was the word. Before Ahab, and Jezebel, and before Sanballat, and Tobiah, and before Herod, and before the Sanhedrin, there was the word. Before all of the great conquerors that have marched across this globe, from Alexander the Great, to Julius Caesar, amen, to Genghis Khan, to Attila the and on and on the list goes, there was the word. In the beginning was the word. Before Hitler and Mussolini and Hirohito and Yasser Arafat, there was the word. Before Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden, there was the word. Before thieves and crooks and murderers and rapists and abusers and wicked men, there was the word. Before sin and disobedience and rebellion and iniquity, there was the word. Before your heartache and your pain, And before sorrow and fear, there was the word. Before doubt and confusion and despair, there was the word. Before sickness, before death, before hardship, before trials, before tribulations, there was the word. What we have tonight precedes and predates everything that we are having to contend with in this hour. It not only precedes all things, but it will outlive all things. Amen. The psalmist said forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you how high God esteems the word. He esteems his word so high that the Bible said in Psalm 138 and verse number 2, Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And we think our little production and our little show is going to take a higher place than God's word. our little talent on display is going to be more effective than a preacher standing behind the sacred desk and preaching the Word. Not only does the Word preexist all things, but His Word has created all things. I see a man by the name of Moses up on top of Mount Sinai God has already brought them out of Egypt by a strong hand. They are there to receive the law. And in the process of all of that time together, hallelujah, amen, and and, uh, the, the, the visits that he has with God. I don't know what all transpired and what kind of dialogue existed there, but I kind of imagine just looking at it from a human standpoint, there must have been some doubt. There must have been some uh, hesitancy and some reluctance to really believe that, that they were going to pull this off. Getting out of Egypt was one thing, but getting into the promised land and dislodging those nations from there and reclaiming the land that had been promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was going to be another all together, and I don't know exactly when and how all of that happened. I have an opinion, but I won't. Uh, I won't go into that tonight. Uh, except that at some point or another, God evidently tapped on his shoulder and said, "Get something, Moses, and start writing." In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. All of creation has been put together by the word of God. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Amen. I heard recently on the radio, just traveling down the road, that scientists have finally concluded and agreed that all mass and all time and all energy emanated from one cataclysmic event. And I thought, where you boys been all this time? I learned that a long time ago. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you understand that all of the billions of galaxies that are out there in the universe tonight containing billions of stars in each one, and each one of those stars, a churning mass of raw energy out there in space, amen, just burning and burning with no particular purpose except that God desired it so. Amen. They recently uh, focused the Hubble telescope a little farther out in space. And they thought if they looked out there, they would see the edge of the universe as we know it. And they would learn where it all came from. When they got it into focus, they found millions more, not stars, but galaxies. Now you all stay with me tonight. And it occurred to me that God had all those millions and billions of galaxies out there just for His own enjoyment. I cannot even see them with my naked eye. And yet so explosive and so dynamic is the power of His Word. He did it just because He could. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if right now, today, while we're sitting here, if God isn't creating some more out there just for the pure fun of it. And He's got all of that energy and all of that power. And we're down here sweating the small stuff. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord for just a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It has been said, God came out of nowhere. He spoke into emptiness. He created something out of nothing with the help of no one. He did it by the power of His Word. His Word spoke light out of darkness. His Word spoke order out of confusion. His Word spoke beauty out of chaos. And I want you to know that He's still doing it tonight. He's doing it in people's lives every single day. He's done it in some of your lives. So I know you're pretty cool, calm, and collected about it tonight, amen. But there was a time when there was nothing but chaos and confusion and disorder and ugliness and a heartache and pain but you know what made the difference somebody preached to you the word of god found you where you are and such were some of you but you are washed but you are sanctified but you are justified I can't tell what you used to be because of what you are right now. You look beautiful. You look godly. You look every inch the apostolic. But I'm looking at folks that used to have cigarette stains on their fingertips. I'm looking at folks that used to have alcoholic breath. I'm looking at folks that used to have bloodshot eyes. I'm looking at folks that used to be perverted and unclean and corrupt. Hallelujah. I'm looking at folks that were in the lowest of the low. But here you are sitting on these pews. Because you went to the meeting one night and your heart wasn't right but something got a hold of you. I'm looking at folks that can't even rejoice over that. You better hope God doesn't take you, let you go back. I hope you never get to where you can't lift your hands in the sanctuary and thank God for the night that a preacher preached to you and made a difference in your life. Hallelujah. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass. Pass away. In Matthew 5 and verse 18, it says, He said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, uh, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. A jot was the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, the most insignificant. A tittle was even less than that. It was just a little mark, just a little squiggly mark, a little curvature, a little hook that was placed sometimes above the letters in certain ways to distinguish letters that were very similar in their appearance. Amen. Jesus was declaring that the word of God was so sure and steadfast. Amen. That before one jot or tittle would pass from his word, all of the heaven and earth. Would have to pass. Amen. I read where Jewish tradition has it that if all men in the world got together and they conspired and agreed to remove one jot or that smallest letter out of the Word of God, they would not succeed. I also read that it was their tradition that if it was possible to eliminate one tittle from the Word of God, that the whole world would suddenly be destroyed. You know why? The Bible said by faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Every atom, every molecule, every substance, every ingredient is not only formed but held together. By the Word of God. If you can prove God a liar on any one point, it would be like pulling the thread that would unravel the garment and all of the universe would cease to exist. He predicated it, built it, and hung it on His Word. And then we've got Johnny-come-latelys and Yehoos that come along and they have concluded they have found a better way. There is no better way. Psalm 29 and verse 4. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Amen. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the the wilderness, there is absolutely nothing that the Word of God cannot change, alter, renew, remake, restore, fix, repair, if we will just let it. It is my firm conviction tonight that the Word of God answers all things. He gave his laws to Moses in order to ensure their peace and prosperity if they would obey them. When danger approached, he sent them a prophet, just a prophet, hallelujah, amen. When they got in trouble and transgressed, the Bible said in one place he sent his word and healed them me pause there a moment and say this in the Holy Ghost. There are situations here tonight that no man can fix. You can put on a good act if you want to, but there are situations here tonight that no man can fix. But I'm here to tell you that if God would just send us the right word. I don't know where I lost you. Did I start speaking Portuguese? Am I preaching about His Word? I said, if God would send the right Word, there would be people that would be miraculously healed tonight, right while I'm preaching. There would be situations in homes and in churches that would be rectified tonight that seem impossible because nothing is impossible with God. He turned the city of Nineveh that was so wicked and steeped in idolatry. Hallelujah. Turned them around into repentance by just sending them a preacher and a reluctant one at that. When he got ready to implement his redemptive plan, as we've already heard this evening, he took his word and he wrapped it up in flesh and he gave it a name that is above every name and set it on this earth, and we beheld his glory. And suddenly the word of God was in living color in front of all those around him. Oh, I wonder, I wonder about that little season of time when Jesus was still an infant lying in a manger or in his mother's arm. The greatest one, the creator of heaven and earth, humbled himself and became in fashion like a man. I've got to believe that when that baby cried, that hell trembled. Hallelujah. When it came time to inaugurate his ministry, and he was led by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. His response to every attack from the enemy was, It is written. Even though as the Word made flesh, as God manifest in the flesh, any words that would have fell from His lips would have automatically become the Word of God. But you know what he was saying? There's already enough written back there. Amen. To defeat the devil on any grounds. It is written. (laughs) Hallelujah. This one who was the word wrapped up in flesh stood on the bow of a little boat in the middle of a raging sea and said, peace, be still. And instantly there was a great calm, the power of his word. And among all of those who were his people. Who gathered and thronged around him. And with all the miracles and mighty wonders that were done. It took a man who was a pagan. Who was not a, an Israelite. Wasn't a Jew. Amen. To have an insight that others did not have. When a Roman centurion came to him and said. My servant is sick. Hallelujah. Barked. I recognize authority when I see it. And I'm a man that is familiar with authority. And I can say to one, come and he comes. And another, go and he goes. Amen. And so what I'm saying to you is speak the word only. Speak the word only. And my servant will be whole. And Jesus in amazement turned and said, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Israel. Some of you are waiting for somebody to come and slap their hand on your forehead and shake you until your teeth rattle. And you don't realize that while I am speaking the word tonight, God can answer your situation. hanging on the cross his body battered and beaten and bloodied with almost no strength left life leaving his body hallelujah he raises his head and he utters these words and though they were perhaps uttered with the last Ounce of strength, physical strength that he could summon. He said, It is finished. Hallelujah. It is finished. And the prison bars swung open, and the veil in the temple rent from top to bottom. And the way into the holy of holies was made. And the captives were set free. And the graves were opened. And dead men were seen walking. Amen. Resurrected in the streets of Jerusalem. So powerful is his word. Oh, I'm starting to feel something here tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just feel like standing one more time in defense of the Word of God. And after he had been raised from the dead... And before he ascended away from his disciples, he gathered that little brood together. And this is what he said to them. He meant, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Just preach the gospel. That's all you need. I'm not giving you any special doodad. You're not getting a miracle coat. You're not getting a miracle staff. You're not getting this trinket or that trinket. I've already given you what you need. Now take what you have and go and preach. Just preach. And he that believeth, he that listens to you and says, yeah that's right that's what i'm gonna do that's what i need he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth not write them off they shall be damned the acid test the litmus test is the word. Those that can sit still long enough to hear the word. Those that can listen to preaching and let it touch them and let it affect them. That didn't come to church just to see what somebody was wearing. That didn't come just to be entertained. That didn't come just to be sung to. But those that came with our hearts open and said, preach to me, preacher. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now listen. So then... After the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the Word. Not spooky organ music. Not getting the lights down just so but confirming the word with signs following. Hallelujah. And so on the day of Pentecost, when, amen, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, They couldn't stay in that locked room any longer. They spilled out into the streets below. And there, amen, they caused a commotion. And the multitudes gathered around wondering what was taking place. You know what happened? The key moment, amen, the key activity was when Peter stood up in the midst of them. And he began to preach and say, this is, these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he preached a message. And when he got done preaching the message, the Bible said they were pricked in their heart. And said, men and brethren, who can do that? Who can duplicate that? Who can imitate that? Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises, unto you and to your children, unto all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this unto our generation. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Is there anybody here tonight that can remember the day when somebody preached to you and you gladly received the word? And you didn't just say, I've been Baptist all my life, I'm going to stay Baptist. I've been Catholic all my life, I'm going to die Catholic. But when you heard the word, you said, that's for me, count me in. I'm trying to hurry, I'm trying to hurry, amen. And then, you can be seated, I'm hurrying. And then when persecution came, when persecution came, listen, they got together and had an old-fashioned prayer meeting. And this is what they prayed. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Just give us more anointing. Just give us more unction to preach, to preach, to preach by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Can I tell you something, my friends, the secret of our hour is not attending one more charismatic seminar on soul winning. It's just having an old fashioned prayer meeting and saying, God, pour it on the preacher. After Paul's conversion, he caused a commotion everywhere he went by preaching, by preaching. Amen. And so they say, historians do, I don't know how they know this, and I can only take the word for it, that he was short, bald-headed, and bow-legged. That doesn't quite fit the profile of a dynamic preacher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not that it doesn't either. Amen. God doesn't stereotype His preachers. He has eloquent Isaiahs. He has weeping Jeremiahs. He has some who, amen, if they were living in a different time, would be clothed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. That would be the voice crying in the wilderness. Oh, yes, he does. Don't stereotype your preacher. Just let him preach. And that little short, bald-headed, bow-legged preacher came walking into one of the most idolatrous and wicked cities of their time by the name of Ephesus. Amen. he didn't set up a big, lavish sound system because they had none. He may have if he'd have had one. I don't know. But he didn't do it. He didn't have it. He didn't set up a big to-do. He didn't have a big campaign, a big production. He just stood up and started preaching. And before you know it, they are rioting in the streets. And the worshipers of the goddess Diana are feeling threatened by this short bald-headed preacher. We don't have to be intimidated by the religious elites of our day. You don't have to be ashamed of your preacher. All he needs is the word. The next thing you know, amen, they're trying to read their books on witchcraft and they can't read it. It's starting to look ridiculous to them. And they start comparing that to what they're hearing the preacher preach and there's no comparison. So they're bringing the books by the hundreds and maybe thousands and they're piling them up and having a big bonfire because there was no comparison between that and what Paul was preaching. And the Bible said when that was done, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Oh, I know we're feeling, amen, like we are somehow, amen, in an impossible position in these last days. I am here just to remind you one more time, God has already given us all we need. It is called the word of God. So Paul later said to Timothy, the young man who will, for all like, uh, for all uh, practical purposes, take his place of leadership in the early New Testament church. And this is what he says to them, to him. He said, "Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine." But after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Here's the problem of some segments of Pentecost. This is definitely happening in our generation. And so instead of sticking with the program, they are modifying their approach and trying to appeal to them on a different level. Take the pulpit out. Come in dressed in casual clothes. Sit up on some high chair and try to talk cool hip language. Or dress up, amen, in leather tights and ride up on the platform on a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Or have big dramas and productions to try to appeal to that carnal people. The program is the same whether they listen or don't listen, whether they want it or don't want it. The prescription is the same. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Wa- oh, let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah hallelujah. I'm going to try to circle this thing for a landing. I'm going to tell you tonight, again, this is my message and it's very simple. That this is still the answer today. In spite of this magnificent structure that we're in, we don't want to take anything away from that, I'm thankful for it. And all of the talent that we have, the ability that Pentecost is full of anymore. That's not where the secret is. The highlight of the service is not the choir. It's when even a skinny young preacher, get your Bible. A skinny young preacher steps up to the pulpit to preach. Get ready, because anything is about to happen. I heard of one church where the music minister reserved all the best microphones for the singers. The pastor had to ask permission to use one of the better mics. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. Don't fall out with me now. Y'all promise you won't? That was weak. We'll have to take a chance anyway. Sometimes we think that we had a tremendous service, and the way we put it is the preacher didn't even preach. And I know there's times when the Holy Ghost works, so don't misunderstand me. But the day you start thinking, let's shout it down so the preacher doesn't preach. You have gotten the cart before the horse. Because the greatest services you'll ever sit in is when that God-anointed pastor or evangelist or whoever he is gets up and preaches to you. And God takes some of that same powerful, creative ability that framed the universe and passes it through a man and sends it out to your situation. You need to thank God every day. I am trying to hurry. Please bear with me man I know you know there's there's sometimes people that come to a meeting like this and they think man if I could ever preach a meeting like that boy that'd really be something let me tell you something this is the truth it doesn't it doesn't uh, inflate my ego all that much because I got to go home and I'm here to tell you that in 16 years of pastoring where I'm at brother Booker there are some people that have never the first time, walked across the floor to say thank you, Brother Alviar, for that message. You helped me. You saved me. Not the first time. Not the first time. If you're that type of person, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. The greatest gift God ever gave to you was a preacher. I know this is plain, this is old, this is repetition, but it's what I feel burning in my soul tonight. The day we start getting away from preaching, even a little bit. We've got meetings now across the country where everything else is the focus. Throw in a little preaching at the end just to kind of justify the rest of it. just don't get too carried away because we got a program when the best thing God could do for us even here tonight is to invade this house and take over and begin to work in people's lives. I'd like to say to every home missions, pastor, I'm not a preacher of preachers. I'm not that arrogant to think that I'm qualified to say any to teach preachers anything. I'd just like to encourage every home missions pastor that's here tonight don't be intimidated, don't be demoralized. you may go home from this beautiful crowd of people and look at about 15 or 20 in the face and feel like you're not doing anything. I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ. Just stand up and preach. Preach until the world looks flat. Preach whether they hear you or don't hear you. Preach whether they clap and applaud or don't. Preach whether they commend you or compliment you or don't. Preach the word because you are unleashing God's creative power And anything can happen when a man preaches. If the enemy is trying to infiltrate the church, just preach. If worldliness and carnality is trying to take over, just preach. If division and trouble has come, just crawl into a prayer closet until God equips you with a word then come out without fear and preach. And if your biggest tithe payer and contributor walks away, preach anyway. Preach while he's going out the door. And God will bring you somebody that will fall in love with preaching. Is my firm conviction that if you sing people in you've got to keep singing to keep them in if you bring them in by dramas and shows and entertainment, you've got to keep something, some kind of sizzle and pizzazz going all the time or they're going to head to the church across town you've got to keep doing that to keep them in hallelujah oh yeah, if you scare them in you've got to keep scaring them to keep them in but if you just preach If you just preach and they come in because they heard the word all you got to do to keep them is just keep on preaching. Just keep on preaching. We all stand tonight. I'd like to say to the saints of God that are here just let your man of God preach. Take your hands and the reins off the pulpit. Don't put him under any constraint. It'll be the salvation of your soul. Back up and let him preach. If it hits you right, be- some of y'all can't make eye contact with me right now. If it hits you right between the eyes, let him preach anyway. If as we heard tonight it touches your youngins or your grandkids, say amen to it anyway. Let them see you stand up and back up the preacher. And when they try to bring it up at the dinner table and get your sympathy, you ought to wheel around and tell them, you shut your mouth. We're standing with the man of God. It's God's plan. It's God's purpose. It's God's method. Don't place unreasonable demands on him. There is a scripture that I have looked at a different way for some time. I know it's, it's application, but the Bible said, And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. And I know it's talking about material possessions. And it's teaching people how to be satisfied with what they have instead of greedy and jealous and envious all the time and lustful. Hallelujah. And yet I have seen that in a different light as well. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. So your church doesn't have a choir. So your church doesn't have the best musicians. So your church doesn't have this little committee, and that little social club, and this little special interest deal going on that some other church might have. If you have a preacher that's preaching to you the truth, you have food and raiment. You have everything it takes to get from here to glory. I wish I had time to qualify everything, but I don't. Hallelujah. The only way that our needs will be met and our problems solved and our sin purged, our churches perfected and souls saved, is if a God-anointed man of God will just step to the pulpit and preach, there is nothing better I have here in my Bible a photograph It's a photograph of my father. He passed away a few months ago. The age of 70, not an old man, I was with him the day before he died. One of the greatest preachers that I have ever known. and I know that's a biased opinion, but through his ministry directly or indirectly. Upwards of 10,000 people are baptized in Jesus' name today, filled with the Holy Ghost, a man who loved the Word of God. Maybe someday I won't do it, but there isn't a time I get up to the pulpit now that I don't look back here first at this photograph and I think, buddy, you've got a responsibility. You've got a tradition, you've got a heritage. And I don't ever want to betray it or let it down. I told my dad before he died, I said, I don't want anything you have except maybe your books. He had a lot of them. I said, you've already given me the best thing you could ever have given me. And that was a love for this apostolic message. The hour's late, we've got to move on, but as we close, I think it would be fitting while the musicians come to the music. If some of you would make room here tonight, and I want every God-called preacher to come down to the front tonight. Everyone, please, if you'll do it quickly and expedite time. Young or old, if you have a ministry that's recognized by your pastor.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Stay here with me. Stay here with me. Praise God. Praise God. Paul preached before Felix the governor. And he shook and trembled he preached before Agrippa and it was enough that Agrippa said almost that has persuaded me I won't go into the story tonight but a few months back we had a federal judge in our area come in it was a woman who sat on the second row in our church on a Sunday morning Bible class I didn't know she was coming it rattled me at first when I heard she was there but I thought, oh, fooey. I'll just go ahead and teach what I was going to teach. I began to teach about the infilling of the Holy Ghost and how it will change somebody's life. I was about halfway be- into the message when I looked down and tears were running down that federal judge's face. She was embarrassed. You could tell that she was trying to get her composure, but she couldn't stop. Her husband was with her and her kids and he handed her a handkerchief and she was trying to get a hold of herself and she couldn't. Finally, her shoulders were heaving. Wish I could tell you that she had received the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you that. I will say this. When I finished, closed the service, went down and greeted them. She was still dabbing her eyes and she said, Pastor, I was profoundly affected by this message this morning. I thanked them for coming, turned and walked away, was greeting others when I felt a hand on my elbow and I turned and there she was again, still dabbing her eyes and said, I want to tell you again how impacted I was by this message this morning. She came two other times, took notes, raised her hands. I'm still praying that God will do a work in her life. But since then we've had visitors come that said we came because judge so-and-so recommended that we come to this church. Just preach. This old-fashioned gospel, Acts 2.38, still works. Saints of God, look at this beautiful sea of men of God here. It is on these men that the future of our generation rests not in our talent and production all of that embellishes and it helps to add color but the real crux of the matter is when these men get up and preach and i'm here to tell you that never have a group of preachers been under more attack than they are in this hour not only to compromise the message but their families are under attack their health is under attack I've never heard of so many men of God who are battling against life-threatening diseases and their wives as well heart attacks, strokes, all kinds of stuff if the devil can just silence their mouth then the battle is over because the secret is in preaching it is God's chosen method you might think they're doing well They're here, they're having a good time at camp meeting. But I assure you that there are pastors here that are facing seemingly insurmountable situations at home. Right while I'm here tonight preaching, I have a situation at home right now that is dividing my attention, preoccupying my mind. We need every saint of God to stretch forth your hand, and I'm going to ask this good elder, if he will, please to pray. And I want us men of God, if you will, put your hand on one another's shoulder. And saints, if you will, stretch your hand out this way. And let's pray for the apostolic ministry in this hour.
1: Praise God. Praise God. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Praise God. Holy Lord God, tonight we stand in your presence, Father. And we have heard your word expounded, God, graphically, beautifully, accurately, and so precisely. You know, God, there's nothing greater than the word of God tonight. And standing here tonight are the hopes and the fears of a large segment of what we call the Pentecostal movement. God, there is no substance for your word. We have seen the drift away from it. We have seen the innovations. We have seen the substitutions. We have seen the wreckage. We look upon the ruins of churches tonight that are no more. We see the great seats of athletics, drama, all the other substitutes that have come in, that have superseded, that blaspheme your name today. God tonight the wise men the men of understanding the men that are able to read the times God those men are looking back they're re-examining their motives and oh God all the tools of their trade and they're finding the only thing that matters is the preaching of the word God we know tonight there is only one tool given by almighty God for the perfection of the bride and that is the preaching of the word. Don't let us trade it away, Lord. Give us a renewed conviction of of the need of it tonight as never before. Bless these men, God. Put the anointing upon them. Only the anointing will break the yokes of sin out there. God, we're facing uncertainty. We're facing terrorism. We are surprised that we're here tonight even. There may be disaster before the dawning of the day, but we are the people upon whom the ends of the world have come. Bless this ministry, my God, and bless this man of God that delivered it to us so forcefully and so fearlessly tonight. And may we bind together, God, in this truth that in the beginning was the Word. Everybody lift your hands and praise the Lord together.